June 6, 1971, fourth grade and giving up Smokey and her kitten. In fourth grade, I was still at Ruffner Elementary School and my teacher was Mrs. Hall. My friends were Linda, Anthony, Diane, Jeff, Glenn, Mike, Michael, Joyce, Debbie, Steve, and David Linville. Robert, Dwight, Missy S, Missy C, Jay, Sam, Kathy, and Greg. I had to start wearing glasses. My dad had gotten irritated at me for not being able to find something he had asked me to get. I remember him in the kitchen of our trailer, reaching for the newspaper on the table, holding it up and saying, read me the headline. I couldn't see it. I still have my first pair of glasses. Actually, I don't still have my first pair of glasses, but when I wrote this, I must have had them. I still had Smokey and her nine kittens, but my grandmother came to visit and insisted she and her babies, who all lived in a drawer in my room, had to go to the shelter to find new families. My grandmother wanted me to have a poodle, but I didn't want to give up Smokey and the kittens, and I sure didn't want a dog. She persisted, and I tearfully handed over my friend Smokey and her babies, unaware of the fate that really awaited them. Mama Jackie insisted that a proper lady had to have a purebred pet, and she gave me a Siamese that I named Sockatumi because of his socks and the laugh-in show on TV where that was a tagline for one of their skits. If you are as old as me, you'll remember, suck it to me, suck it to me, suck it to me, suck it to me. I still liked drawing, painting, skating, riding my bike, and had taken up hiking and bowling. I won a certificate and a patch for being the most improved in bowling. At the age of nine, I was four foot nine inches and weighed 81 pounds. My grandmother began scolding me about my weight, and I've let that become a lasting shame in my life but it's nothing compared to the shame I carry for what I did to Smokey and her kittens. My friends in Slack's trailer park included Ada, who was my age, and her little brother. Next door to them were two sisters who were much older than me, but we spent a lot of time trying to start a band since I had an organ and was usually home alone, so we could make all the noise that we wanted. Ada's father was a mean drunk who beat his wife and his kids all the time. A cat and a dog had both found their way to me after he had shot them. We couldn't afford a vet, so I tended to their wounds until they were healed. I figured I'd grow up to be a vet since I had a knack for it. Trembling, but fully resolved to make myself clear, I march up to this man and tell him if he ever decides to take another shot at a cat or if I hear a shot being fired and even think it's him, then that gunshot will be the last sound he ever hears. He just stands there looking down at me, but as scared as I am, I feel like I am in charge of this moment. I am offering up a challenge that I have no idea how I will be able to carry out, but I can't let him know that. After what seems like an eternity, of staring down this man through tear-streaming eyes, he turns and goes inside his trailer. He blinked. He turned. He ran from me. I won. I never heard another shot being fired. 
the word of that confrontation spread by his own children earned me a tremendous following in that poor little backwoods trailer park. Now the kids who gathered around me were high school age, and I felt like I had the moral support of every kid in the neighborhood. I used to lead them in money-making schemes from selling popcorn and Kool-Aid to mowing lawns, washing trailers, and making potholders and such to sell door to door. There was a barn that was mostly full of junk, but it was theater to the creative minds of the kids who played in there. I remember going to elaborate extents to create a mystery storyline where little clues would be left in places for the kids to find. When they'd find a clue, they would talk about it for days and try to figure out where it came from and what it meant. I didn't have an end in mind, so it was just a never-ending narrative as I'd hide more clues and then watch the kids as they would find them and follow them. As an adult, I really like storylines where you keep thinking you've discovered the plot only for it to twist and turn and surprise you again. Well, if that didn't turn out to be the story of my life, what did? Anyway, in setting the stage for things, I erected a fenced graveyard from fencing and things I found that could be taken for tombstones when I discovered that a horse had apparently been left to die and rot under all of the junk in that barn. He was nothing but bones now. We would sled in the winter on toboggans, and my mother would wax the bottom so they'd go faster. I remember one day sliding right under the garbage truck that was stopped in the road. I did all I could to get away from my brother, and both parents worked, so he was my responsibility. He was following me in the snow one day, and was whining that he wanted to go home because it was cold. I wasn't ready to go home, so I left him hanging onto a mailbox. The most trouble I ever remember getting into with my mom was when I came home via a different route and she asked where my brother was. Instead of saying, he's probably frozen to that mailbox I left him by, I decided to go all biblical on her and say, am I my brother's keeper? Wrong answer. I led her back to where I'd left him, and sure enough, he was still there hanging onto the mailbox. The ground was too icy for him to leave it. I never was a good sister. I took care of him most of the time, but that was because I had to, not for any other reason. I knew from the start of that relationship that I'd never want to have a child because I lack the mothering genes. I was fine taking care of animals, because if I didn't, who would? But I didn't want to create that kind of dependency.